so we're in First John again today. Um, last week, Cliff was uh, talking to us about what the theme. So, what's the theme of First John? You see this? It just takes a teacher to to bring it out. A professor. Yeah, so um, it, it's, it's summarized, that's excellent, it's summarized in 13, in 513, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life, that, that, we, may, that we may know that we have eternal life, uh, that gives us assurance, which in turn then brings us confidence in God. Um, and, and obviously, Jesus knows that we struggle with this, that this isn't automatic. It's something that we have to continually work with because we're human beings that sin. We mess up. And these things that we've been reading are hard. That it, He's saying that darkness doesn't obey and stuff like that. And I don't want to be darkness like that. So... Jesus knows we'll struggle with this, and then in 2.1, he addresses us as my little children, um, not, trying to, not trying to scare us. Obviously, he starts this section by saying, my little children. He doesn't, he doesn't have his finger out accusing us. He's, he's saying, my little children, encouraging us. Um, and trying to understand how, how our gratitude for God being so good, just what, what Eric prayed, how, how God is just so good, and having that, having that gratitude, and we get in, you know, we're wired to be performance-based. At work, if you do this, then you get this, and this isn't a performance-based thing. God loves us because he created us. He loves us because of who we are, which is really hard for me to understand. Um, but that's, that's kind of how, how it was. So we're going to continue today all the way down to 2.11. We're going we're gonna to blaze new trails. We're going to go from uh, 2.3 to 2.11. Let, let me start reading in, um, in 2.1. Now... I just think it adds context. Notice in this in these passages the the phrase the one in my Bible it says the one or anyone. Yours might say anyone and whoever it says it over and over. Anyone and whoever. Anyone and whoever. So this isn't like an exclusive club, is what he what the point of this is. Anyone and whoever. So let's let's read this. My little children, I'm writing things to you that you may not sin. I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for those of the whole world. The whole world. And by this, that we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I've come to know him, 
and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought to himself walk in the same manner as he walked. Beloved, I'm not writing you a new commandment to you, but an old command which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says... He is in the light and yet hates his brother, is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. See how that theme of anyone, does your, does your Bible say anyone where I'm saying the one? This is... Yeah, this is, yeah, whoever. This is New American Standard, which I was NIV up until this exercise of co-teaching. Shamed into reading a proper Bible. <laughs> hey, he's unapologetic about it. Yeah. Um, so this is available to us. He would not be writing this if it was not available to us and and starting out as my little children, he wants us to get this. He wants us to understand what's going on. Um, I've told you this story. I want to expound on it a little bit uh, more. Um, I, I, when, when I grew up, I wasn't raised in church. grew up in northern Michigan. And my dad was uh, Catholic, uh, growing up, uh, I mean, like Catholic school and all this, and I don't think it did much for him because when he came to Christ when he was 80, he joined the most polar opposite church that he could think of, and that's the Lutheran church. When, when he came to Christ, it was hilarious. Dad, are you doing that on purpose? Martin Luther. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, but they weren't, my mom and dad weren't hostile to the gospel. We just... It wasn't in our home. It was not in our house at all. Um, so when I was uh, 17, I went away to college, and, you know, my parents were old. They were always old. And my dad fought in World War II. You know, I'm 60, so you can do the math. I mean, they were pretty old. Um, and... I, I can't believe this as I look back and how we did our kids um, visiting colleges and stuff like that. I, I applied to three or four different colleges. I got into Colorado School of Mines up in Golden, Colorado. I wanted to be a, a geoscientist, an earth engineer. And I got in and so didn't go visit. Visit? Why would you visit? Why would you visit? Is what he said. <laughs> And so, and I didn't, I don't know, I guess you just get in and that's it. So the day we're, the night before we're leaving, he gets the map out. He draws how my route is going to be. He signs three checks. And he said, don't lose these. Put them in my wallet and, and said, shook my hand, good luck. And that was it. I'm a 17-year-old boy driving up to Colorado. 
And I get there, and I mean, I knew it was in Golden, Colorado, but I didn't know where it was. So as I was driving around, I'm like, huh, that's a brewery. Wow! Holy moly! Remember, I wasn't raised in church. So, um, I, you know, from 13 years on, I was pretty much a party animal. And then when you go to college, you don't have to be home and nobody's checking on you and it just, it ramps up all that more. And we were, I was way ahead of the curve. I was doing medical cannabis way before it was popular. <laughs> and I was in, I, I, I was way ahead, I was into drug testing. I would test any drug that I could get my hands on. I was the guy. Um, so I spent that, that whole first year uh, up in Colorado, came home and started getting with my friends back here after work and so forth. I always worked and um, I went out with my friend and we were going to do a little glaucoma treatment. And um, uh, so he goes, hey, let me just tell you what I learned while you were gone. And I said, okay. And he told me about Jesus. Holy moly, I'd never heard that. I was 19 years old. I'd never heard that story, that fact about, about Jesus. And I accepted Christ right there, prayed, received, received Christ. And then he discipled me through the whole summer, a couple months, after work and on the weekends and stuff, went to church and got baptized for the first time, got baptized again when I became a Baptist, uh, because the first one didn't count, apparently. So, anyway, some of you can sympathize with that. Yeah. So I go back to Colorado. Uh, this time I knew the way, didn't need the map, and I was on fire. Pretty much left the party and lifestyle behind, on fire, got up to our house. We had a house off campus with four guys living in it. And my buddy got there the same day I did, and, uh, named Dave. And I told him about Jesus. He prayed to receive Christ. We were on fire. He was a Jew. I convinced him he was one of the 144,000 in Revelations. <laughs> I did, I'd been a Christian two months. So... <laughs> Anyway, got him pretty excited because he's, he's in Scripture. And then, and then we just sat there, and, and we went to seed. We didn't, we didn't go find a church. We didn't go find a BSF or anything like that. And it finally, just attrition took its role, and the other three guys, two guys in the house, and all of our friends were partying, and, oh, one time won't hurt, and then the next time, and then... You read, and then, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm a failure. I've disappointed God. And Satan started just having his, his way with me. And it was honestly the worst nine months of my life. By far, the worst nine months of my life. Um, tr trying to get back in scripture, going out and partying. It was Awful. I mean, it was, it was just awful. So I came home uh, that next summer and avoided uh, my friend like the plague. I'm not going to get around him um, because he's going to want to know what's going on. What's going on? And so 
uh, I went to a party down south in southern Oklahoma, and it was what you, you what you'd imagine a 20-year-old party would be like. And, and thankfully, some of you don't know what that's like <laughs> in this class, so thank you. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I woke up the next morning. I was feeling so bad, uh, just guilty and awful, and I'm avoiding my friend's phone calls. That was back when there was no cell phone, so you... <laughs> You call somebody, remember that? You get all the way through and you fat finger the dial and you, oh, you have to hang up and start over. Remember that? <laughs> you always like when you get to dial one. <laughs> like that. But you, <laughs> anyway, I digress. Um, so I, I'm driving back home. I just told my friends, look, I got to go. I, I got something I'm going to do. And I start driving back home. And I get to Paul's Valley, and my engine and my blazer, my 77 blazer, my engine melts down. The, the uh, heat indicator, thermostat indicator was broken, and my thermostat stuck, and it just melted my engine down. My wheels locked up. So I'm on the side of the road, right by that Loves in Paul's Valley, and hot July, and it's, I'm disappointing God at, in a, on a level that, you can't describe on how I was feeling about disappointing God like that. Spent all day getting it towed home. Uh, got went to my room and I was just I was angry. I was in anguish. I was pleading with God that you got to do something. This is awful. You you have to do something. And I'd read passages uh, like First uh, John. Um, the one who says, I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments as a liar and the truth is not in him. And I'd say, that's me, God. And Satan said, you're dang right that's you. You say you're a Christian, look at you. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm pleading with God. I'm yelling at God. I'm crying. I'm, I'm, I'm begging for mercy. And remember, I got two months experience being discipled. And so I'm like, God, you got to talk to me. And I mean, this isn't the right way to do it. But you know, God's so good. And I get my Bible. And I said, you got to talk to me. I just flip it open. And it pops open to 1 Samuel 15. And... I was truly expecting him to talk to me at that point because I was in so much anguish. And uh, this is the story of when Saul was supposed to, Saul, uh, Samuel told him to wipe out the Amalekites and everything, wipe them out. And uh, so Samuel comes, hey, what's going on? And oh, I, I wiped out the Amalekites. Well, how come the king's sitting here? And what, why are all these sheep and goats and stuff here? I was saving them for a sacrifice for your God. And this is what I, when I r r popped it open, this is what caught my eye because it's indented because it's, uh, I don't know why, poetry? Uh, because it's listed somewhere else. Why? It's a quote. Thank you. So this is what caught my eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See there? And, and Samuel said, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, 
To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination as the iniquity of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected rejected you from being king. So dang it, I'm not going to be king, um, obviously. Um, And I said, okay, God, I get it. I've been trying to sacrifice my friends, my drug use, my partying, my carousing, when you just want me to obey. And if I obey, all that just goes away. And all I was saying is I I need to sacrifice this stuff. And I said, okay, I'll give you a month. I told you guys this. (laughs) I'll give you a month. And if it's not better in a month, the hell I just went through, am I allowed to say hell? I think you just did. Okay. Because if I don't have to, if I can't, if I'm not supposed to say hell, I'm not going to say hell. Okay. So I need some (laughs) guidance. And so the the hell I just went through for nine months, if it doesn't get better, I am forsaking this and going to my other lifestyle because I can't live in both worlds. Um, and I said, God, I'm just going to obey you. And when I mess up, I'm going to come to you and confess. And I'm going to be good with you again. And that's what I'm going to do. And... Um, And by this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I've come to know him, does not keep his commandments as a liar, and the truth isn't in him. Whatever keeps it, whoever keeps his commandments, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. And that's what I experienced uh, during that time. Um, the, the, the love of God being perfected. Um, and, you know, the, the miracle thing about it is I didn't have to backtrack those nine months. I was one step back into the middle of God's obedience. It was so liberating. Now, Satan was pointing out that I needed to go back through those nine months and backtrack. And Satan was keeping me on the, as Cliff put it last week, the mountain of sin, the mountain of Sinai. Look at you. Pointing his accusing finger, look at you. You're a liar. You say you love God, you're a liar. And God took me off that mountain. We packed our gear and headed to Calvary where there was grace on Mount Calvary. And... um, I started understanding... Uh, what allowing the Holy Spirit to correct me and to confess and then become approved, having assurance that God loves me and that, that I'm going to be okay and have the love of God perfected, completed in me, to have that love completed in me. And I understood what that was like and, and was absolutely... Um, Living it. Jesus, you know, that verse four, that's a hard verse. Cliff and I talked about this this week. That's a hard verse because you and me can get brought back into that. The one who says, I've come to know him, doesn't keep his commands. Well, I don't keep his commands sometimes, believe it or not. Um, Is a liar and the truth isn't in him. Dang it. That's hard. Um, 
And where Satan would say, see, and he'd point his finger, that's you. You're a liar. You don't keep his commands. You claim you're a Christian. But what I saw and see is God going, come on, man. My little children, you got this. You understand this. You can do this, not this. Never in that time did I see an accusing, pointing finger from God. I saw a pleading father telling me, my little children, you got this. Um, I, you know, I, I heard God say, what are you doing? What, you got this. What are you doing here, Dick? Come on. You got this. God said that to Elijah. I'm jumping books, not allowed to do that. God said that to Elijah. Elijah, what are you doing here? You know where Elijah was? He was on the mountain of Sinai. What are you doing here? I got stuff for you. You're not the only one. There's tons of, of men that haven't bowed to Baal. Now, come on. And that's what I heard from him um, that day. Um, in five, but whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has been truly perfected. And by this, we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought to himself walk in the same manner as he walked by this. We know, um, that we're in him. By this, we know that we're in him. So how do I, how can we know, I know, that we're in him? I think that's really important. We all want to know that we're in him, correct? Isn't that something we want to know? So how can we know that we're in him? Keep his commandments. Abide. Abide with him. Right? Um, walk, obey. Walk is the, uh, the other word that they use all throughout this book, to walk with him, to keep his commands. So why is knowing that we are in him or, or that we're abiding with him, um, why is that important for us to know that? Why do you think it's important for us to know that we are abiding with him? For assurance, as Cliff says, for the sake of the recording, he said assurance. <laughs> this is so fun. <laughs> yeah, I know it. And the next week, boom. Um, so we, it, it's important for us to know that we're in him. And uh, to, because we get the assurance that God's good with us. Man, if we can have assurance that God's good with us, if I can wake up in the morning and know, man, God's good with me. I mess up. I confess. He's good with me. Um, and that he loves us beyond measure and that there's not guilt and shame, that there isn't that in us, but that he's just He's, he's just good with us. Um, and just like I, what I truly believe, that God's smiling at us this morning. Here we are in this room 
trying to abide with him, trying to get to know him better, trying to understand him better, I think, the, I think he really likes that. I, I got to believe that it, it is. And so with knowing that we're in him and understanding that that gives us assurance, well, that just that brings confidence, okay? That brings confidence in in God, it's a it's it's kind of a progression, um, and that confidence then gives us the ability to go bear fruit, to go do stuff, um, and and that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be going and doing stuff, bearing fruit. Look at uh, uh, John chapter fifteen. I can go in John because that's a book that John wrote. So I'm allowed to go to John. Hey, I take this seriously. I made C's in college. I was a straight C student. So I get this stuff. I understand it. Um, so John, he, John, you know, we're hearing a lot of the same themes and things that we heard in John in this condensed version, 1 John is like a double espresso of John. It's high potency of what we're doing. So, um, so when we know that we're in him, it gives us assurance that he loves us and that he cares for us, which gives us confidence to go bear fruit. Listen to this. John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the uh, the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now, here we go. Abide. You know, you know in 1 John, abide is mentioned 24 times. And now we're back in John, which is the book he wrote first. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch, and it dries up. And they, they gather them, and they cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So, apparently, the goal here is to bear fruit. The goal is to bear much fruit. Um, and in verse 3, he says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remember back a couple of weeks ago in uh, 1, 7, uh, 1 John 1.7, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That Tense in that is a continual cleansing. It's not a one and done. It's a continual cleansing 
And that's what he says here, that you are clean. He's given us that assurance. He's given us that confidence. You guys are good. I love you. Now go do stuff. And I think that's the word. We're supposed to go do stuff. Um, in 7, in John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So if we abide and that's staying close to God and that's confessing our sin when we mess up and that's doing exactly what we're doing here today and that's doing what you guys do during the week where you pray and, and things like that, that's abiding with him. Um, so if we bide, he says that we can ask whatever we want, whatever we wish. Because we're abiding, we're asking correctly. Can I go help people in Africa have a, have a better life, have a better vocation like Sharon, like what Deborah's doing? Can I help these poor people in Honduras? Can I... Will you help me go solve the water crisis? And he wants us to do this. He's telling us, ask, ask whatever you wish. It's like an open-ended genie bottle. Probably not. But anyway, <laughs> I always wish for more wishes. If you ever get the genie and you're rubbing them, you always ask for more wishes. Um, and, then verse, and then verse 8 by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. We glorify God by bearing fruit, by going and doing stuff. We're bringing glory to God and proving, showing that we're his disciples, showing that we belong to him and he belongs to us, that we abide together by going and doing stuff. Um. So, how do we know if we're fruity? <laughs> it's a legit question. How, how is it that we know um, how is it that we know if, if we're fruity? Um, so, Hen do you guys know Henry Cloud? Does that name ring a bell to you? So Hank, as I call him, I got to be with him uh, one time for a couple of days um, with Bill Hybels in a small group. I'll tell you that another story. But um, so Henry Cloud wrote a book, and he talks about our wakes, our wake, not a Catholic funeral, but the boat wake, you know, on a speedboat, that beautiful wake, that ribbon that's behind us. And this is, what he, this is what Henry says about this. The wake is what we leave behind and is our record, and it's absolute. The wake is what we leave behind. It's our record, and it's absolute. So in business, uh, there's good, obviously, business managers, leaders, and so forth, and bad ones, and you all have work for good ones and you've worked for bad ones, maybe you were a good one, maybe you were a bad one, whatever. So um, there, there's, this, there's the seagull management style. You ever heard of seagull management? 
it's the manager that doesn't do anything, and then he swoops in, and he poops all over everything, <laughs> and then he swoops out. Am I allowed to say poop? Here again, if I knew whether I could say poop or not, I wouldn't. Okay, that's right. So swoops in and makes a mess of things and then swoops back out. And, and, and it's chaotic and just an awful management style. And you look at his wake and there's just carnage of, of angry and employees and short tenures and things like that. Um, whereas the calm manager, calm is contagious. You ever notice that? If, if, if someone is calm, it's, it, that's, also con, that's also contagious. Competence is contagious. If you're competent, if you're working on a competent team at work, that's contagious. Stupid is contagious. <laughs> I, I was the leader of stupid many, many times. Come on, everybody! And corruption is contagious as well. And in the, way, the wake of those that, whether you're good or bad, you're leaving, we're, we're all leaving this record behind. So um, in Galatians 5, Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Remember, we're supposed to be bearing fruit because it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And in Galatians 5, he talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit being love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The fruits of the Spirit. Um, and you see how these fruits, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, see how that relates to our relationship with other people. What's wrong with my phone? No clock in here. Um, see how that relates to our relationship with other people? Um, patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and peace. It's how, it's how we respond and how, how we respond to other people. Fruits of the Spirit. Um, so it relates towards others and what is in our own wakes. Um, when, we, when we look back at our wake, and I, it's a, we're going to do that, when we look back at our wake, is it a, a farmer's market of beautiful vegetables, all colorful and neat in different categories, or is it an old bag of dried prunes? What's in our wake? What kind of fruit are we bearing um, as we're going through as we're going through our life? Back in John 14, in in John 14, 15, John writes, "If you love me, you'll keep my commands, and I'll ask the Father, and He'll give you another Helper." that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't behold him or know him, but you know him because he abides in you and will be in you. And then jump to 21. He who has my commandments and keep them, he it is who loves me. 
And he who loves me shall be loved by my father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. So to abide with Jesus, to be able to have the helper um, with us, that we can ask for help, obviously, that's, that, that's with us, um, and to have Jesus disclose himself to us. What, what could possibly be greater than that, than, than to have the Holy Spirit available to us and wanting to help us because it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit and to have Jesus disclose himself to you? What, what could be better than that? What, I, I, don't know, I don't know what exactly, I don't know what exactly could could top that. Um, so, bearing fruit, and now he kind of, to me, he switches gears in this passage. Look at verse 7. Beloved, I'm not writing you a new command to you, but an old command, which you've, you've had from the beginning, uh, the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new command to you, which is true and in him, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light yet hates his brother. Remember, it was don't obey my commands. And now he's saying the one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. Atrophy has taken over. You say you're in me, but you're a hateful little thing, aren't you? <laughs> but you say you're in me. Um, the, the Pharisees were challenging Jesus one time and they said, what's the greatest command? You know, like they're really interested. And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. So does that sound like abiding? If, if, if we love God with all of our heart. Look at you guys. You're here this morning. You could have been anywhere. You chose to get up and come here. That, that is something. That is really Something. This is what's called abiding. And you're doing it because you love God with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. And the second is like it, Jesus said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend the whole law and the prophets. So that's pretty big. Loving God by our prayer and our Bible study and our fellowship with each other and our witnessing. Loving God by getting up and praying. Loving God by talking to him, the last thing that we do before we go to bed. Loving God by um, fellowshipping with each other like we're doing here this morning. We're, we're doing exactly what he wants us to do. We're abiding. And this is what we're supposed to be, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And then, and then loving others, squeezing fruit juice on others. Spraying them down, hosing them down with fruit juice. Um, that's what we're supposed to be doing. So, 
this practicing with our with the others with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So what we're supposed to be doing to others throughout the week as we come across others. And I used to parse and argue who my brother is. Well, they're not a Christian. Uh-uh. It's our brother, our fellow human being. Um, well, he's not really my brother. I don't think that flies. So, um, dang it, why do I always lose pieces of paper? Oh, here it is. Um, so Oswald Chambers, you know him? Okay, so he wrote, he wrote this thing on this. Being a disciple means deliberately identifying yourself with God's interests in other people. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another by this... All will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The true expression of Christian character is not in good doing, but in God-likeness. The true expression of Christian character is not in good doing, but in God-likeness. If the Spirit of God has transformed you within, you will exhibit divine characteristics in your life, not just good human characteristics. Fruit, a wonderful wake behind us. Um, God's life in us expresses itself as God's life, not as human life, trying to be godly. The secret of Christian life is that the supernatural becomes natural in him as a result of the grace of God, and the experience of this becomes evidence evident in the practical everyday details of life, not in times of intimate fellowship with God. We show that we're his disciples in the everyday interactions with other people, loving our brothers. Um, remember, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive, and that's what we are. But there has to be evidence of it. There has to be fruit bearing in our wakes. Um, by abiding, by actively looking for opportunities to surprise those around us with love and kindness. We get into this, and I, I am so guilty of this, we get into this um, mindset that... Um, they're, they're, we're leading up to some event, and then there's this big event. Well, no, it, 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 it's, it's not just tomorrow isn't just going from point A to point B to point C and doing your chores and doing and going through life. We're in eternal life right now. We're in it. It's not, this isn't a dress rehearsal for something. We are in it. And it, what may seem mundane to us is exactly what God says we should be living life and rubbing up against each other and spraying fruit juice on people and exhibiting that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Um, and, and abiding and loving God and abiding and loving our neighbor uh, allows us to receive the help of the Holy Spirit. It, it, 
it allows us to tap in to incredible power that he wants us to have tomorrow as we, as we go, go along um, so that we, uh, we love our neighbors, we abide with Jesus, we do what we're doing here today so that we can go bear fruit, which in turn overflows our lives with abundance, which in turn brings glory to God. Remember, Irenaeus said, the glory of God is man fully alive. When we go out and bear fruit and we do good and we know that God is pleased, that he's smiling, and we have confidence to go do that some more, we start living abundant lives. Our lives become full because we're doing stuff that brings honor and glory to God. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. And we're in eternal life right now. So, this week, and I've been doing this as an experiment this week. I'd never try anything out on you that I didn't try myself first. Okay? So, I've been doing this all week, and it's, it's such a wonderful exercise. Um, this week, after you've had an interaction with a person, close person, random person, just an interaction. Hey, how's it going? Like that. Look back and do a wake check. What would that person say if they were interviewed? Sir, you just got to say hello to Dick Greenlee. What was that like to you? <laughs> so what would that person say about that interaction? Is it love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control? Is that what they'd say? Would they have a smile on their face or would they just kind of be going, God, what a weirdo. <laughs> that happens, by the way, and did happen this week, too. So, um, and then ask Jesus, because he's really that good to help us. He really is that good. So this week, go out, and when you have these interactions, be conscious of it. You're, this isn't dress rehearsal for something else. We're in eternal life right now. We're supposed to be have, bearing fruit and being little fruit bearers as we go out. Think about this. There's 150-odd people in this class. Not odd people. 150-some-odd <laughs> people in this class. Woo! Now, say you do... Say you do 20 interactions with other people per day, okay? And there's probably way more interactions than 20. That's 3,000 a day, 3,000 opportunities to bear fruit per day. In a year, that's a million interactions just out of this class. What would Oklahoma City be like? What would our workplaces be like if we were conscious about our wake, about what we're leaving behind? about abiding in Jesus more so that we could go out and bear more fruit so that our lives are full and that honors Jesus. What would that be like? So anyway, this week, go out and be conscious of your, of your wake. Be conscious of what you're leaving behind. Be conscious of what they'd say behind your back. And then let's report back next week. So let's pray. Father, we're just grateful for your mercy and your grace. We're so grateful that you love us and that, that you're good with us. 
It just means everything to us, and it gives us great confidence and assurance that we can go out and live our lives right now that, that further puts a smile on your face, that further brings you glory, which in turn makes our lives abundant, which in turn glorifies you. Thank you that we have a launch place, this church, this wonderful church. Thank you that we have a launch pad in this class and what Cliff and Becky have done for us through these years. We just praise you and glorify you now as we go into worship. Lord, our hearts just sing to you and accept our worship as our offering in Jesus' name. Amen.